pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 326. Today I'm going to chat with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts, discuss the latest in the fight for gun rights for 18 to 21 year olds, highlight the new MRAD ELR from Barrett, and talk about a unique carry option. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Steve, how are you doing today? I am awesome. It's good to talk to you, Ava. That's nice to talk to you too, especially so early in the morning. I appreciate you getting on with me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of Red Bull this morning for this one. <laughs> All right. So before we start with the show, I'm um, going to talk about BSF barrels. A lot of people think that it's like you know, like a carbon fiber barrel. Um, it does have carbon fiber on it, but essentially what they do is like, so after turning down the barrel, and I got this exactly from their website, but I think that it helps to kind of explain it. So they jacket a 416R stainless steel match barrel in a roll-wrapped carbon fiber sleeve, loaded under tension, 95% of the carbon fiber doesn't touch the stainless steel creating air gaps and allowing air to foil around the steel and cool the barrel faster. So as a result, it's going to be a lot more accurate. It's going to, you know, cool down a lot quicker, lots of advantages. And then it's also very lightweight compared to, you know, what you would typically see for performance wise, uh, like a, a bull barrel or something like that. If you guys want to take your rifle to the next level, they have it for uh, bolt action, AR-15s, AR-10s, all that good stuff. Check out bsfbarrels.com. And don't forget to use the code ELITE15, that's E-L-I-T-E-1-5, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, so Steve, basically a little bit about you. Uh, Essentially, you are a firearms instructor and then you do a lot of product development. But before we get into all of that good stuff, give me a little bit about your background, how you got into firearms and essentially like how you got to where you are today. Boy, this goes way back. Uh, so I've been doing this roughly 25 odd years now uh, across the board in this industry. It started for me probably back in the uh, mid-90s, late 90s. I was teaching at a local shop uh, for quite a period of time. You know, developed my own training curriculums, taking a lot of courses. Uh, through the 2000s, I was started writing <clears throat> for Surefire's Combat Tactics. It's just that progression. And then around 2009 era, I was hired in by Magpul. Uh, worked there for four odd years as one of the primary instructors, along with Chris, Travis, Mike, and the other guys. And then um, after that, it was, you know, 2014, getting back out on my own, starting all over again. And that's just been nonstop, realistically. And you've been self-employed since 2014? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then what was your knowledge with guns before this? I mean, when did you start? shooting guns were you military law enforcement what's your background 
uh, so this started for me. I grew up like like a lot of people right in the household. Uh, a lot of hunting in the family. A lot of shooting. Uh, you know, from father to uncles, cousins, the whole thing. Sir, started working very early on uh, from one of the local sheriff's departments for about sixteen years. You know, progressed off of that. Uh, it, it's just been a general kind of thing for me. I shot competitively. Uh, I grew up shooting trap, skeet. You know, shot some local two gun, three gun matches. I think a lot of it's just like everybody else's kind of history, right? Throughout throughout our industry as a whole, it's either somebody that's military, elite, competitive shooter. But yeah, no military background on that end of things. Just, you know, just an overall enthusiast, I would say, in the broad spectrum of it. And dove really deep into the subjects, wanting to learn a lot more as I was growing. Nice. And where do you teach out of or do you travel all over the country? I teach all over the country. I'm usually on the road about 240, 250 days a year, generally about uh, 50 to 60,000 miles of driving in a season, uh, somewhere between, you know, 50, 60 plus courses. And that's, and that's a variable between open enrollment uh, and contract courses for LE, mill, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, that's a lot of teaching. I know. So I've been a firearms instructor for 10 years. and for I think like the first maybe five years that's what I did full-time like that was how I made a living before I started like well I guess maybe four years I don't know something like that four or five years uh before I started the podcast and doing other things that were giving me you know some income but you know I've met a lot of firearms instructors and they were really impressed at the time that like that was my full-time job that that's what I did and I was able to make a living off of it Because I will say, and you probably know this, that a lot of instructors out there, I mean, for them to be like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and just teach, like, good luck. You know, it is pretty hard to make this like your actual full-time gig, you know? So, So I have to imagine, I mean, you're pretty good at what you do then if you're able to, you know, travel around and, and teach as many classes. I'm on your website right now and you teach a bunch of different stuff, which... Like, okay, handgun diagnostics, like, what is that? So is that like if somebody has issues with their gun and they're like, they can't figure it out? That that, that course came about from one that I used to teach that I first designed back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. It was basically about why you miss or why you suck mm-hmm. uh, with a pistol. Uh, to, to put it bluntly, right? I, I was working at a particular place, shop, running a range, and you know the typical thing: people would come in, oh, my gun shoots low laughter, it shoots this. Oh, hey man, it's not the gun; it's you, kind of deal. Yeah. So originally putting one program together for a couple of years, realizing it wasn't quite the right one, and then you know just rolling into other things, it was like, hey man, this class is to help those diagnose what is going on with your shooting. Uh, why they are having these certain issues, why they are missing, or any other little, you know, little nitnoid things that they may be overlooking. And, and that class is really, I won't say necessarily a fundamental class because everything is a fundamental class, uh, but that they were to really help them understand what they're doing once they leave the class, right? So once they go to the range, practice on their own, go with their friends or family, right? They'll, they'll be able to help that. Um, I get a lot of law enforcement instructors in that class, actually. I get a lot of dudes come in uh, from departments and agencies like, oh, man, we're having this problem. That usually ends up leading to me going back into that department and doing a train-to-trainer at that agency with the rest of the instructor staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so it's been an interesting you know, spin on how that thing came about and what it was really originally designed for. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. 
Yeah. And so you do the same thing with carbine. And that makes perfect sense because there's a lot of people that, you know, will blame their gun and they'll like, oh, my sights are off or it's really just the trigger or because there's so much recoil. Like, cool. At the, yeah. at the end of the day, you should essentially be able to shoot any gun accurately, you know? Yes. Yes. I guess unless you're shooting like full auto, then it's okay to like kind of be a little bit, you know, scattered yes. slightly. But still, <laughs> you're also teaching low light handgun which is interesting. And that's actually like shooting a low light. I've noticed that's gained a lot of popularity in the last couple of years. And I think mm -hmm. that that's actually a really good one to take. I myself haven't yeah. really taken a lot of low light classes. I've shot at the range that I teach at. It's indoors. So you can shut off lights and stuff like that. And I've shot like in low light. And that's like a whole nother ballpark. When you do this like low light handgun class, do you teach it, you know, like outside and like in the evening or do you actually go to a range where you can shut the lights off? How does that work? Uh, generally both. It's up to the host, you know, you know, and what their facilities like in time of year. Uh, a lot of it's done outdoors. A lot of it, a lot of it is also done indoors on some of those ranges. Like uh, coming up in February, I think kind of CT one on a range and we'll be indoors and just kill the lights on that. Um, and that generally starts as a progressive block like most things. Uh, classroom lecture time about lights, why, how, types of lights, reasons behind all the things that we want to do with these lights on guns and or the ones in our pockets. Um, and then we get daylight hours, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page, make sure the progression is happening, uh, you know, and then we turn off the lights and we go into it, right? So it's kind of a big learning uh, curve at that point. Hmm. Interesting. And what are some of the things that you find um, are probably most difficult to teach in that class or that the student probably has, you know, maybe there's like a learning curve for? How to manipulate their lights pretty pretty good and incorrectly as one, especially uh, transitioning like between a handheld or a weapon light, weapon light to handheld, mm -hmm. um, as well as dealing with, it's not that it's hard, right? It's just that it's the unknowns. Yeah. A lot of people that don't that don't practice these things or don't get to see it. Um, I think switchology is the hardest one for a lot of people. You know, how to switch on the lights, which type of lights are you using, uh, you know, how's the button activation on it uh, versus like their weapon light activation. So it's the little things that make the big differences in that course. Not yeah. that it's hard that and people generally realize that they're horrible at one-handed shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that also makes sense, too. I mean, just activating the light on your gun. I see a lot of people that will buy accessories for the firearm and then they just don't practice using it. And they're like, cool, you know, my AR has got this light on here. And like they don't practice like, OK, well, how are you going to hold the gun, be able to, you know, operate that light? And then on top of that, I'm assuming you teach like, hey, once you shine that light, you should probably change your position because now they know where you are. And yeah. there's just so much more that comes with it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variables into it. That's one of the, the big talking points that course actually that you hit on is light activation, deactivation. When is it time to move? When is it time to turn the light off? Is it time to turn the light off? Is it time to hard light versus momentary light? Right. So a lot of variables in the equation based on these circumstances and how and where it's being used for what method. Hmm. Very cool. I'm going to take another quick break and talk about gators. I'm sure you're familiar with gators being a firearms instructor, and I'm sure you've seen quite a few people wear gators. Do you, by chance, own a pair? 
I have owned some in the past and I have a lot of buddies that wear them and swear by them. Yeah. I think they make a really good glass. I think like shooting glasses and sunglasses. I've had some really good friends that are very much into them. So right now they're doing a 12 days of American strength, which is essentially, I guess, like 12 days of Christmas. And every day they're showcasing a new sale. If you guys didn't jump on the sale that they had the week before, which I think everything was like 40% off, now they're doing another sale, which is, you know, definitely something to jump on because I rarely see sales with Gator glasses. So definitely take advantage. If you want to save 15% off, use the URL Gators, that's G-A-T-O-R-Z dot com forward slash Ava, A-B-A-1-5. There's also a link in the show notes as well. Let's talk about your critical shotgun class. What does that entail? So critical shotgun, uh, that was kind of, you know, the step two process of, you know, from practical shotgun where that was kind of designed around the, hey, okay, we, we've taken this shotgun course. We've learned how to load it, shoot it, mitigate recoil. And then we want more, right? So we, we talk more in this class about different load selections, a little bit heavier and more in depth, such as the difference between buck and slug and why and where. Mm. Uh, more more aggressive movement with the gun, more aggressive movement, multiple targets, um, distance-wise, positional changes. So it kind of goes into a little bit more than what, like, the person who, like, like the, the biggest example I can give was, like, during the COVID era of Doom, uh-huh. that everybody was like, oh, I need a gun. I'm like, okay, cool, for whatever reason, I guess, sure, um, no big deal there. But they're like, so I got a shotgun, now what do I do with it? Okay, yeah. So. Well, let's teach you about some load selection, manipulation of the gun, and patterning the gun, right? And then zero gun has a difference between those things. And so critical shotgun really was kind of the, the part two of the shotgun curriculum from years ago. And that was, again, all the other things people wanted to learn how to do with these guns, like we do with handguns and carbines, right? So it's just a very natural progression. Also, I had a lot of law enforcement guys out of the West Coast that are big shotgun users, uh, come into that course quite a bit over the years. Um, So there's always kind of add-ons, right, based on what we've seen with recent OISs involving shotguns, uh, officer-involved shootings, as well as load development and accessories that start to come out. So it also gets test bed equipment pretty well because we generally shoot a lot more buckshot and slug in that course than we do the previous course, which is a lot of birdshot. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I'm sure that uh, people's shoulders are probably killing them after the class. It's like it sounds. No, <laughs> it sounds great in theory. Like ah, it's fine. I mean, I took an AK class with Clint Smith, and yes. uh, second day of training, I was like, I I took the wash class from the hotel room and like put it underneath my brocks. I was like, I don't know if my shoulder can handle any more of this. Uh, so I could only imagine uh, taking a shotgun course. You know, uh, uh, you know the beauty of the beauty of shotgun is if it's taught right, uh, using either like bang comp shotguns and or Rob Hot's method from Simtech consulting a push pull uh, and the gun is set up properly, man, it's a breeze. I mean, it makes it, so it makes a difference, but I will say as a female, it doesn't have much fat on their shoulder. Uh, Even shooting like prone, for example, like if I'm shooting long range prone, Again, I can put it in that little pocket and, you know, kind of do a little push pull and, you know, it helps. But like after a while you shoot enough, like you're going to feel it. (laughs) 
Oh, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's funny you mentioned Clint. I was just talking with uh, Clint and those guys the other day. I, lo- I love Clint to death. Awesome dude. Great, great people. Love Clint and Heidi. I, I love going up there and just hanging out. I, I've AI'd up there with those guys. I've actually cooked dinner up there for the crew. You know, it's uh, it, it's a great time. Just great. Yeah, I know. I do, too. It's funny that you mentioned Shaka, though, around COVID, because I saw a huge uptick in that as well. How do you feel about using a shotgun for home defense? Uh, I'm a huge proponent of it. I really am. I think uh, shotgun is probably the most underrated, misunderstood gun we have in the inventory. Uh, It it really is probably one of the more capable. Everybody's like, it's complicated. I'm like, for what the average statistics show 1.5 rounds fired, and I don't know where they get the 0.5 from in that data, but whatever. Uh, in home defense and personal defense uses of a shotgun, right? And people are like, well, it doesn't do this. I'm like, hey, bro, it's in your house. We're not taking on the zombie horde. We're, we're not storming the castle somewhere. We're, we're not doing all these things with it. Uh, ultimately, for a vast percentage of the people, right? It's a shotgun. It's going to be used in their home, potentially. Uh, if they did fire one to two rounds out of it, it's not the end of the world. And people kind of misunderstand it, right? They really truly do. But I'm I'm a huge proponent of the shotgun uh, for house guns. And, and again, not that the M4 is bad, not that pistol's a bad choice. It's just the benefits of the shotgun kind of outweigh it for me. Mm-hmm. And what would you recommend as far as birdshot, slug, or buck? Um, I, I'm a buckshot guy. Ultimately, I you know double odd eight or nine pellets, uh, nothing fancy. In the gun, honestly, because it costs. I don't like control or this ammo or that ammo. Like, hey, bro, whatever pattern's best in my gun that I can buy a lot of and just put away, and it's relatively inexpensive. I really don't care. Um, my furthest shot is seven to ten yards in most houses for most people, so I really don't need flight control for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, find it, find a good load of buckshot, just move on with life. It's not that big a debate. And I'm sure that with teaching as many classes as you do, like for example. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? One of the instructors uh, was Clint Smith. Gosh, what is it? It's like Jack Daniels. <laughs> That's his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack. Yes. Yeah. So he's always posting stuff that fails, like products, oh, you know, yeah. that a student had. And he was like, wow, this thing lasted, you know, all but that a few rounds and broke. And yeah. it's interesting because I think that, especially when you take a class, I think that this is when students realize like, okay, is my gun going to be able to hold up? Because most of us don't put a lot of rounds through our gun and then, you know, shooting it nonstop for a few days and and really kind of like working it. That's when you kind of realize like, all right, is my gun going to be reliable or not? What are some things that you've seen like that you're just like, nope, hot garbage. I'm definitely I wouldn't recommend at all. Oh, boy. Where does the list even begin? Um, I'll say this like. I've broken a lot of stuff over the years, like anybody, um, either. And a lot of it at times is human factor. Um, like, oh, we failed to put Loctite on this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We failed to use the correct Loctite, right? There's different colors of the stuff. People, you know, there's blue, purple, red, like, you know, choose wisely and green. You know, so that's often a misunderstanding. Usually it's people that are trying to, what I would say, conserve money and think this is close enough or good enough mm-hmm. when those things fail right um you know amazon optics um pieces parts that guys go oh well, that's pretty close the, the five-star review looks really good on it you know 
Um, I, I have also seen top tier optics break, right? It doesn't matter. It's just, I think it depends on the life cycle, how long it's been in service and being used and what that round count is like on these things. Cheap guns, <laughs> you, you know, like badly built ARs or homebrew guns that guys like, oh, it runs fine. My buddy was a gunsmith. Sure he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, bad magazines that guys are still saving and holding on to from, you know, 1975. Uh, I mean, there's also, just, there's also some new magazines now that yes. are just garbage. Yeah, there are. Um, and that's just it, right? And most people, like we're saying, don't really realize what is hot garbage until they actually get it out and shoot it in more than 500 rounds in a year. Mm-hmm. Right. They think that that's pretty solid and it's not, you know, inexpensive optics, bad magazines, new production, old production, bad gun parts. And people don't realize, you know, obviously different degrees of MIM, but just bad guns overall and, and you- overly modified guns. Have you seen more issues with people that have built their own ARs versus stock ARs? Yes, especially doing this for so many years. You know, through the 2000 era, you know, we saw a lot of this that were that were issues during the early parts of the 2000. Um, nowadays, as long as it's a reputable manufacturer, they're pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, we find people that try to skimp and save on parts. They're like, oh, this handguard looks good, just like so-and-so. And then it ends up coming off rifle or, you know, by day two, day three of a program. Bad bolt carriers breaking and cracking, you know, within 500, 600 rounds or less in cheap optics and cheap optic mounts. Those are the mainstay ones that we really see an issue of. Mm-hmm. And even though like the information is out there on how to put together a gun correctly. Like I have seen dudes tin and weld stuff or that their buddy did that has gone right through the barrel. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's some janky gunsmith stuff that I see that I, that I've looked at and guys look like you could dremel to that in a file and just tin them down. Like, oh, uh-huh. Good, good job. That's, uh-huh. that's amazing. Just put the tools down and step away from the bench. bro. Yeah. But there is a lot of that. And I'm sure you've run into those things as well. That, and, over modified guns like way over modified like i don't know why you have this type of comp and wedge and ledge and all the stuff done to this pistol well, i have some great guns like that and they're awesome um some people just don't understand the whys behind that stuff and then we see a lot of that stuff there too yeah well i know for me personally because i mostly teach handgun uh, when people come in you know they have a high point a sky the ruger lcp yes. Even, unfortunately, I hate to say this because I think, you know, the Smith & Wesson Easy and the Equalizer, they're great guns and they're super easy Mm -hmm. to manipulate, but people get caught up on the grip safety. And, you know, and it's like, I'm like, you have to grip it. You have to like really be aggressive and like push that grip safety. And it's just like, you know, that concept. But I teach more of the beginner classes, like I stay in my lane. This is what I've been teaching for years. I'm really good at it. I'm not trying to be like, you know, some person who's like teaching tactical classes because, you know, although I I feel like I have a decent amount of knowledge in it, I just, I don't feel comfortable. I've never been like in a gunfight where I'm like, okay, this is what I did and this is what you should do. There's plenty of people out there that'll do that, um, that'll Mm -hmm. teach that stuff. and, And I'm just good at teaching a lot of the basic stuff, but yeah, anytime students come in with those guns, I'm just like, uh, all right, you know, or they come yeah. in with like the 500 Smith & Wesson revolver and they've never shot before. And I'm like, okay, well, this is great. You know, it's my bear gun. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. I'm assuming you have experience with Mantis being a firearms instructor. Mm-hmm. A lot. I personally think, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are like, what do I get my my husband or my girlfriend or wife or whatever for Christmas? I would say, hands down, if they don't already own the Mantis and they're into firearms, definitely get them the Mantis, either the X2, the X3, the X10, the Blackbeard, Blackbeard X, Laser Academy, Look on their website, figure out what you think that they would like best. Really, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with like the X10 or even the X3, even the X2. That's only $99. That makes for an excellent Christmas gift. And essentially what it does is it's going to improve your shooting as long as they're going to practice. But even just doing it for a few minutes, I noticed, you know, like I was messing around with it a few weeks ago, drawing from a fanny pack just to see how quickly I could draw from a fanny pack. And I was like really surprised by how quickly I was able to increase my time just by putting in a few minutes of practice. It has all kinds of stuff that you could use. So if you guys want to check it out and, you know, get your loved one the gift of shooting better, head on over to mantisx.com. On the opposite end of that, what are some guns that you're just like, wow, you totally stand by and you're like, those things I've not seen fail and I would definitely use to save my life? Hmm. That's a good one. Right, like many writers and inventory of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with a Glock, right? Mm-hmm. Glock 17 G45 gun, you know, one of the Glock series pistols. Like many of us, we probably got a lot of them like around and they're one of the the most well-known, I think, horrific handguns that we've got right here in today's market since, you know, basically the late 80s when that gun first showed up here. Mm-hmm. Glock, Glock, absolutely, hands down, one of the best choices in that East. After that, you know, I, I'm a diehard 1911 guy as well. Oh, boy. And, uh, hey, settle down. <laughs> um, tell, me I, you're, I, tell me you're old without telling me you're old. <laughs> I, I know, right? Exactly. Uh, that's just a you young kid still so got this all figured out. Um, <laughs> You know, they're just a classic gun. They've always been a classic gun to me, and they always just carried well. I like good 1911, right? Uh, what you know, I, what I, brand? I've done a lot of work with Nighthawk for about the past, you know, 15 years, honestly. Uh, Nighthawk has always been a good brand for me. Uh, I have some custom guns, you know, like many of us from our Chambers Customs. I've got a few others laying around that are just great guns, less bears, uh, you know. The list goes on and on, right? Yeah. Um, even down to some of the more inexpensive, reasonable ones uh, over the years have been pretty good guns. But for me, it's either Nighthawk or a, custom, a couple of my custom build guns, or even like Dan West out of the box does a great 1911. Yeah, I mean, it better for what you pay for all those. It better, I mean, yeah. it, it should do my freaking homework if you ask me. <laughs> well, exactly, but but they are they're an easy button, right? It's you know one of the most inherently accurate guns and best triggers out there, right? It's just how they are. After that, I kind of look into you know I was a big Smith and Wesson proponent for years. Carried a lot of very first generation M and P's to some second generation guns. The M and P has been a pretty reliable platform. It, yeah, it's, it's actually been a good gun. Uh, I definitely I like their their 2.0 series. I mean, even if Smith and yeah. Wesson were to drop me tomorrow, which eh, may or may not happen, um, I would definitely <laughs> still use like the Smith and Wesson MMP 2.0, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for home defense. And I'll say like I have seven guns there at my house, 
that are hidden in different areas. And I think three or four of them are Smith and Wesson's. Um, funny comment, funny comment coming in, awkward pause break. Tell me you have a stalker without telling me. You have I know, right? <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I may or may not have a shower gun. You know, you just, I mean, I have one here in my office. Literally, shower machete. Right shower machete is way better than a shower gun. Shower machete works way better. Um, that's a very real thing. Um, now, you know, Canic. Canic has come on strong in the past couple of years with a lot of their guns. They've got some amazing shooting pistols. Yeah, um, I actually, I know, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Like, I have the SFX. I really want mm-hmm. the SFX steel one, but I, I will say, I've been really impressed with Canic. I didn't really like their like early on models. I I mean they they worked, but it didn't feel great shooting, and like the trigger was kind of like and eh, it definitely felt a little yeah. cheap. But like yeah, they've definitely improved their product in the last couple of years, and you can't beat the price point. No, no, not at all. I'll tell you an interesting gun to me for a price point gun: the new lineup from Taurus. Taurus has got this very uh, stigma to them, you know, from years past with things. Some of the new Taurus guns are actually been pretty good i've been beating up on a g4 xl for you know a smaller carryish gun at times very much you know g48 size pistol mm-hmm. great little gun does a good job it, it's been reliable for about you know 12 ish 1500 rounds i've got through that gun currently enough where i'm comfortable going yeah i'll grab that throughout my waistband for, for you know a trip here a trip there kind of mm-hmm. deal it's, it's, it's actually been a pretty good gun and i know they're working diligently to change the old persona from from what the company used to be. They hired the correct people, uh, really have to help with that lineup of guns. Uh, even the new stuff from Walther is great. You, you know, mm-hmm. um, you you see a lot of the PDP stuff being pushed around and other guns from Walther. Walther's done a pretty good job with some of the current lineups. Yeah, I agree. It does seem like there's a few tourist guns that have actually increased quite a bit in price. I was surprised by the yeah. price point. But that said, I have noticed that they're really trying to step up their game. I mean, there's a lot of manufacturers out there that are, you know, stepping up their game, coming out with some really great stuff and really trying to move with the industry. And then there is some manufacturers out there that I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, cool, you came up with another gun that looks just like Glock. Mm -hmm. Glock, I will say. And it's funny because, you know, if, if shit hits the pan, I've said this on other podcasts before, like, yeah, I'm going to probably grab my Glock even though it's probably like, it's definitely not my favorite gun, but I know that when I pull the trigger, it's going to go off. But Glock, I mean, they're not doing anything. There's nothing no. like, you know, even their marketing, their marketing's, you know, horrible. So there's a lot of companies that I don't feel like are moving with the industry. And I do think that that's going to hurt them in the long run. But I guess time I to think, I, I think a lot of them, it's just this, right? They're resting on their laurels. They made a lot of money the past three odd years Mm -hmm. they're not overly reinvesting in it currently in designs or product development i'll say that we're not going to see just yet it'll probably be the three to five year plan yeah yeah um you know there's a couple manufacturers that are just doing the same thing over and over and over again with different skin on it Mm -hmm. you know realistically yeah Um, and all their all their guns look the same you know i mean i will say springfield Springfield's changed up a little bit where, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of have to take a second glance at their gun and realize like, oh, that's the Springfield Echelon. Echelon. Or, you know, I mean, that gun actually, I haven't shot it, but that felt really good in my hands. But it's, you know, good they kind of got away from like their stupid grip zone gun where, you know, oh, every gun, yeah. every iteration has that stupid grip. <laughs> and like, just by looking at it, you already know it's a Springfield. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I get there's, you know, the brand 
and marketing, but like ultimately you don't have to keep creating the same freaking gun with like the slightest iteration. That 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 problem is a marketing problem, honestly, inside most marketing divisions, most companies. Mm-hmm. Um, when they start doing research analysis and all that good stuff, because I've dealt with that on, on a couple levels. Uh, you know, there's a few companies that staying as they just make money to spite themselves. And, and that's a very real thing in our industry in this time frame. Uh, so a lot of companies, while they're comfortable, they're like, oh, we'll change the color. Well, yeah. cool. It's still this fun. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna put a we're gonna, we're gonna put a slide cut in there. Ooh, exciting. Okay, got it. Like, great. We're gonna make this one a medium compact gun. So instead of being a thirteen rounder, or a exactly. seventeen rounder, it's a fourteen rounder. Like, stop it. Like, yeah. my God, you're killing me, people. Just because your gun is quote unquote modular doesn't mean that that's modular. You know, make something that we want uh, that people have been asking for. And yeah, eventually that may happen, but why, right? When, when they don't have to, uh, and, and what people don't realize to a lot of these companies right now, we're not really the end user <laughs> yeah. for them. You, you know, we're, we're just something else to recoup money off of military contracts and testing and evaluation stuff that they've done. Um, then they have their mill contract divisions that are making their real money. Then everything else after that is just kind of consumer based. Yeah, I agree. I could go on and on about guns and companies oh, and we like could. that. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I should have a whole other podcast, maybe on my other podcast, PPU panel, about just stupid trends that companies are doing that like they just need to stop, yes. you know? Yes. Yes. Like Tiffany Blue Guns. Yeah. Mm. Although I will say what's been interesting, though, is like since, you know, the launch of uh, Sig Rose, it's crazy how many new women they've gotten into the industry. Well, not in the industry, but gotten into guns. And now it's kind of like they're making it where women are like attracted to those like pretty things. But like it has to be kind of classy about it. So like Sig Rose, I mean, they did a good job or they didn't make the entire gun rose gold. They just did some rose gold accents, made it look very posh. Mm-hmm. But then I've seen, because I'm part of their Facebook group, I've seen a lot of other women that are like, oh, I want this gun. And they'll go for like the SIG P338 and, you know, right. stuff that, because it's still, they they had all these like vibrant colors and different accents and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to see how people are kind of going back to that, but. Uh, Shiny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I fell victim to when I first started. My first gun was purple, like dark purple. And then I did buy a pink revolver. And I mean, I still yes. have both those guns. They don't, they don't see the range anymore. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, but regardless, anything to get your feet wet and then mm-hmm. get them more into guns. Well, guys are the same way. Guys are the same way, right? You know, we have all these Cerakoted guns, you know, and AR colors, right? We've got grades and flat darkers and OD green and tan and whatever, right? And then and then you have the other side of the spectrum of it's like, I like a really classic looking, you know, deep, rich, blued gun. Yeah, blued, yeah. Right? With, with good wood, like, like, yeah, man, like that over and under double gun, lever gun, whatever. That's, I want that. Right. Oh yeah, so, so no, we dude, can go I'm, both ways with this. I'm totally right. a sucker go- for for good wood as well. Stack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, look, this is called gun funny. I have to make one joke a, a show. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I just had a mouthful of Red Bull. It almost went all over my paperwork. 
<laughs> so that was awesome. And that's like three, two, three months worth of product notes here that I'm testing on going. That would have been yeah. amazing. Right. So. Although even like with AKs too, I mean, like there's just something about just like that really nice like wood furniture and... Yeah, so I'm I'm with you. All right, so kind of wrapping it up, what are your future plans? And, you know, are there any other like states that you're going to maybe extend on? Just, I don't know, anything that you want to tell us? You know, I, I, I've gone into just about all 51 states to teach, you know, 50 odd states, whatever there are now, to teach, except Hawaii. Like, like you know, I've been to pretty much everything and everywhere. Uh, looking forward, you know, the, the, the crew that follows me pretty religiously knows this. Um, you know, it's time to start thinking about when does it end? When is it time to hang it up? <laughs> so that that's the hard part right now. You know, I'm going to get to this 2024 season, uh, make some evaluations and choices. I've got some good meetings coming up at SHOT Show um, that could also influence those decisions, right? Or limit my teaching uh, for going into 25 especially if some of these things come through. Um, I'm looking at, again, doing a lot more product design, product development with manufacturers. Um, you know, there's some products coming this year that will be seen at SHOT Show. And then people are going to go, oh, hey, that. And they're going to be like, yeah, so-and-so. You know, and, and most of that's behind the backgrounds anyway uh, with, you know, who and what is designed, whatever. A couple of those may come to light more. But looking ahead, you know, uh, we're already looking at 2020. You know, we're not even in 2024 yet. You always got to be at least a year and a half ahead. It's two years ahead of this game. Oh, you are? And Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm already I'm already trying. You, you know, are already looking ahead to the 25 seasons and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, was kind of joking, but I will. I know. I was also going to like, oh, wow, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just focused on like maybe up until February. No. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> you know February, March, April, May. You know I'm already I'm already like into and my training travel season hasn't even started yet. It will in about you know a couple of weeks, about three weeks here going in once we get into January. But yeah, you know I'm already looking at July, right? You know going okay, what's coming up? What needs to change? What happens there? But I'm already honestly thinking you know January, February of 24, 25. Mm-hmm. You know, in the broad range of things, uh, but, you know, some more products, some a few class changes coming up, maybe some things, you know, disappearing and just being condensed into a different format. You know, curriculum changes are always a big thing. It's not really that they're changes; it's more of like the pecking order of how they're done. Um, just a little, little nitnoity stuff. But uh, the big one for me really is, you know, when is when is it time to walk away, and or when is it time just to go inside and start doing more of the development and design work as we start. To with uh, technology yeah very cool and then if anybody wants to take your class or see where your classes are going to be and, and sign up for one what is your website uh, sentinel concepts at you know sentinelconcepts.com pretty okay. much it and then i'm assuming facebook instagram it's just sentinel concepts or actually no it's not because i just followed you last night on instagram and it was a little right. different yeah, it was a little different the way it was set up way back when, and I don't know why, but the first group of people that I had running my stuff for me, it's like Sentinel underscore CNTPS or whatever it is. And they, they could look it up and it comes up generally unless I'm shadow banned like everybody else again. But yeah, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the website's generally the best, you know, for at least the calendar layout of, you know, hey, I want to go take class in January, February, March, whatever, you know, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's there. It's it's West Coast, East Coast, North South. It's all over the country between A and B. You know, there's a lot of places I'd like to be. Unfortunately, there's only one of them. So, 
Okay. We're wasting much time. Yeah, no, I feel that. All right, awesome. Well, moving on with the rest of the show. If you're looking for a good AR right now, definitely check out the Zion 15. I actually just got mine in the mail last yeah. week. Really excited for it. There's so much stuff that I do with an AR and I'm like, you know what? I told IW, I'm like, yeah, I need a, a Zion 15 because I'd rather give them, you know, the promotion or the spotlight than another company. But I've shot it before at events. Really impressive. Uh, it's under $1,000. Like you just... Nowadays, it's hard to find a good AR that's under $1,000. And it is made right here in the US. The rifle version, 16 inch, 4150 chrome molly barrel, chambered in 5.56 NATO with a mid length gas system. And then it comes equipped with a 15 inch free flow M lock handguard. And the grip and stock are from B5 Systems, which are known for being pretty rugged, lightweight, comfortable check it out. Also, don't forget to check out their web store, which has a bunch of different stuff. Depending on what gun you have from IWI, you can click on that specific gun and it'll pull up the different accessories that you can put on that gun. Best of all, if you use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. You know, the IWI guns are interesting to me. Uh, Tom Alabrando there is a very good friend of mine. Uh, I, I've known Tom for about a million years. He's a director of training, you know, for their course. And that I've, I've got to bore. I have some other some of their other guns uh, as well that I've had over the years. I've worked with a lot of weapon manufacturers, uh, like you know, my, like my current company with Sons of Liberty. But they've done a really good job with that lineup, and they've done a really good job with their training. Mm-hmm. They, they really truly have, and they they do well. And they're a good company. Yeah, absolutely. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. All right, today in politics, so 18 to 20 year olds are real adults. Last week, a federal district court judge in West Virginia ruled that 18 to 20 year old people are adults. He ruled that the prohibition on adults under 21 that prevents them from purchasing a handgun from an FFL is unconstitutional. One thing to note, so the ban on adults under 21 is not an actual law preventing them from buying a pistol. Nowhere is that codified in U.S. law. They're only prohibited by regulations from going through a NICS check, so a 4473 background check, which is required to purchase from an FFL. This is why they have been legally able to build their own or buy from a private party or family member. In the case, the judge ruled that under Bruin, the government cannot use, quote, public safety, end quote, to end restrictions to the Second Amendment. They can only use original text tradition and history of the Second Amendment. He cited that other portions of the Constitution name specific ages, such as the age to become president, a senator or House representative, but no such restriction was placed on the right to bear arms. Indeed, a very large number of people who fought in the revolution were under 21 and even younger than 18. Clearly, the authors had no intention to restrict the right of the Second Amendment to anything other than the people, which historically refers to any law-abiding resident 18 or older. The government tried to argue weakly that the founding era was not when the Second Amendment was ratified, but later in 1868 when the 14th Amendment was ratified. They cited a three-judge panel decision, which was vacated in this argument. 
In other words, the decision they tried to use as an example never happened in the eyes of the courts. The judge stated the ATF provided no examples from the founding era that could be used as an example restricting the handgun purchase ban. The ATF also tried to argue the plaintiffs did not have standing to sue over the law because their parents could buy the firearms for them and gift them to them. The judge totally rejected that pile of garbage. He did not think a stay on his decision was warranted either, so his decision is in effect for the plaintiffs and other qualified 18 to 20-year-olds. That said, the government immediately appealed the decision and a stay was granted on Thursday. This means the rule remains in effect until a final decision is reached. Essentially, that means until it gets decided by SCOTUS, so it will you know, take more time. But this is good news uh, and hopefully sets a precedent for you know, other states, such as Colorado. They just uh, mm-hmm. enforce this law, unfortunately, as well. And even recently, I had somebody message me and they were like, hey, you know, I'm 18. Can I take a class? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But like, you can't buy a gun until you're 21. And they're like, oh, I thought I could buy like a rifle when I'm 18. I was like, nope, sorry, that that law changed as of October 1st of this year, mm-hmm. which is just ridiculous. You know, I mean, I get kids nowadays kind of suck and most of them aren't moving out of their parents house <laughs> until they're like 30. But there are, you know, there are a few kids out there that, you know, 18 years old, they get married, they want to start a family and they have no means to protect their family because they can't buy a gun. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Exactly. Uh, You know, we have this thing that's been handed down from our father, from our founding fathers called the Constitution. You know, it's pretty simple at that point. And that's about it. My book, while we understand there are some people, even going into their 40s and 50s, that probably should not have things. I think it's pretty ridiculous, right? Uh, there's, there's no call for it. I mean, 18-year-olds can go to war and get in the head of a machine gun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't trust them to go out and buy and get some training and buy a pistol for self-defense or hunting or target shooting or whatever it is. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, I think that's outstanding. That's outstanding. That's been ruled on. But you know what's interesting? Kind of off topic, but the other day, it was my dad's birthday. He just turned 78, and which mm-hmm. I maybe... I was like, maybe I shouldn't put that in there. Uh, he hates, he lies about his age all the time. It's it's my sister and I get a kick out of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's doing more than like most men my age. So, you know, it is what it is. But we surprised him at work with, uh, you know, gifts, balloons and a cake. And as I was driving out there, I asked my sister like, hey, did you bring a lighter? Because we don't smoke. And she got candles, but sure enough, didn't bring a lighter. So I had to run to the gas station and get a lighter. I actually got carded. So you have to be 18 now in Colorado to buy a freaking lighter. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, imagine if, you know, a 16-year-old, they have their license, same exact, you know, situation that I'm in. They're like, oh, you know, it's mom's birthday. You know, we need a lighter for candles, like they're not going to be able to buy a lighter. It's just, I mean, Mm -hmm. I get that people are getting stupider, but at the same time, I mean, how much more stuff are we going to control? And it's just, yeah. As much as they can until they can't any longer. I know. I know. This segment is brought to you from Rose by Sig Sauer. I'm here with Linda from Vance Outdoors, and we met at the Nashville Rose Retreat. And Linda, I have to ask, why did you do the Rose Retreat? Why did you choose it? 
Well, I was actually uh, recommended for the retreat by our gun buyer. I'm one of the buyers for the store, but I'm also one of our instructors. And uh, as an elite dealer, they offered a spot for uh, someone to come. And our gun buyer said, hey, you want to go? And I said, sure. Oh, nice. That's a, I mean, that's definitely quite the perk for, you know, with your job. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, was, uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I actually, I interviewed Cato from Nashville Armory and she kind of had a similar experience. Did they like give you a little bit of a breakdown as to what to expect before you came or were you just kind of, you know, slightly blindsided like, okay, well, I signed up for this like retreat and then maybe given a few details beforehand, but you didn't really know what you were getting yourself into or did they give you kind of like the full overview? I had no idea. I knew I was going to Nashville Uh and I was going to find out about a new gun. Oh, nice. Okay. And what was your firearm experience before the retreat? Uh, I have been shooting on and off my whole life, but I've been an instructor since August of 17 and working through that process. I'm also a leader with the Armed Women of America. So I have quite a bit of firearm experience and building my own guns and training. Yeah. So then with that said, do you feel like you learned anything um, that you didn't already know from doing this retreat? For me, when I go to these type of things, I try to just be a student Mm -hmm. and learn other information of how other people instruct. So I didn't per se learn anything new, but it's always good to get someone else's perspective on on a certain way of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also a firearms instructor and I've always said I'm always a student, but I enjoy going to other people's classes, even if I already know the material, just because I'm interested to see how they explain the material, how they teach. Because I think, you know, you could you could know how to do something really well, but if you don't know how to relay that information or explain it in different ways so that the student understands, then I don't think that it makes for a great teacher. Exactly. And so I have to ask, like, what did you think about Lena's teachings? I thought she did a great job presenting the basics and telling uh, the women, you know, this is the way I do it. Mm -hmm. You may have to adapt it a little bit for you. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Like one size doesn't fit all and our bodies are different and people might feel more comfortable doing something else. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much. So if anybody wants to take any classes with you, Vance Outdoors, where are you guys located and how can they get in touch with you? Our range is at uh, is in Obets, Ohio, and our VanceOutdoors.com website and click on the shooting range. Or you might see my picture under the concealed carry section. <laughs> so, but yeah, we have all kinds of different classes, and I would love to have someone come and reach out and train with us. I actually have a private lesson this afternoon. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And in the meantime, if anyone is interested in learning more about the Rose Retreat, you could just head on over to Six Hour, just search for Rose. You'll see the Rose Firearm that they offer. It comes in a really nice package with a bunch of extras. And I think you could sign up for their email and be informed of any future retreats that are coming up.
So again, that is sixhour.com. If you're into ski or trap, definitely check out the new Claymore target thrower from Caldwell. Steve, have you done any like trap shooting or ski? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, a lot over the years. I, I grew up in a, in a family that was big waterfall bird hunters. Oh, yeah. That's um, right. I you spent, said that. Yeah. I spent, no, I spent a lot of my, my early years on a trap range, pulling trap, throwing trap, shooting trap, shooting skeet. You know, eventually getting into a little bit more on the sporting clay side early on. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Caldwell makes some great stuff, too. Yeah, well, so then, you know, like the hand thrower kind of sucks, right? Like the $10 yeah. one that you pick up at Walmart. I mean, even Caldwell makes that hand thrower. Mm-hmm. But this, especially if you guys are like, you know, this is all you do. Definitely invest in that Claymore Target thrower. This thing is freaking amazing. It doesn't require electric or batteries. You know, it just works by you stepping on it. And it has different settings. So if you want it to be a little harder, you know, maybe like the standard or you want it to flurry a little bit more or throw faster or whatever, you can do so. But the clays throw anywhere from 55 to 70 yards. And then, like I said, has multiple modes, really easy to collapse it and, you know, transport it uh, to and back from the range. MSRP is $329, but if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off as well as anything else on their website, and that is caldwellshooting.com. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, Barrett makes it official. Barrett has been teasing its newest extreme long-range precision rifle system for months now, and they just made it official. The multi-role adaptive design extreme long-range, also known as M-R-A-D-E-L-R. I'm going to say it's the M-R-A-D-E-L-R, but it could also be M-R-A-D-L-R. So don't quote me on either. But it's a bolt gun based on their MRAD platform and is chambered in the 416 Barrett cartridge, which I didn't even know that that existed. Back in September, teams Barrett, Justin Wolf, and spotter James Archer came in second in the king of two-mile competition at the NRA Whittington Center using the new rifle. The beast of a precision gun uses 36-inch 1-9 barrel in the modern chassis system. Overall, it comes in a whopping 23 pounds unloaded, an overall length of 62 inches, a full 24.6 inch rail on top, as well as M-lock on the sides. It's built to push the boundaries of extreme long range shooting and does it successfully. It was the only factory built rifle in the entire competition and showed its precision very well. The rifle ships with two five-round mags, a bag rider, accessory rail, and hard case. You can get them in black FDE and tungsten gray. MSRP is $9,995, which is about $3,000 more than like the smaller MRAD. Um, But, you know, again, if you're using it for competition, you take your competitions very seriously. This might be something that you want to invest in. And then... You know, especially if you want to be like the king of like the two mile, you know, shooting competition. And then essentially it's kind of a bargain compared to some of the other custom builds that you'll see out there. 
I wonder if I shot that actually at TriggerCon, if they had it. I don't even remember you what I shot. You may have. You may have. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like, at these events, you shoot so many guns, you're just like, I don't know, they're all starting to blur together. Same thing when people ask me, like, oh, what did you see at SHOT Show that was cool? I mean, you remember, like, a few guns, but ultimately, you're just like, I don't even know, I'm exhausted. I saw so many guns, like, you know, I mean... There's worse. And you're only going to see, yeah, and you're only going to see one of those guns in the coming year, you, you know, out of all of them you saw. Yeah. You know, some, some may show up in two, three years or this part after that. You know, that's always the beauty of SHOT Show. That's so I true. tell people, we go to SHOT Show to see friends that we haven't seen in a year or two, and that's about it. Yeah, I know. I know. And that is so true because a lot of them, a lot of companies will say like, oh, we're going to release this in the next couple of months or it's out now. But it's like by the time you actually see it in your gun store, it's going to be a little while. So I agree. Yeah. Smith & Wesson, so you mentioned you're a big fan of their M&P series. I'm not sure if you checked out the M&P 22 Magnum. Mm-hmm. It includes like the tempo barrel that they developed for the 5.7, which means yeah. that re- like recoil on this is like non-existent. I mean, it should be, right? Because it's 22 mag. But that tempo barrel, I mean, that was something that was pretty innovative that I'm a really big fan of. Essentially, it keeps the action locked up until the bullet passes the gas port. And if you guys are interested in this, it ships with two standard mags that hold 30 rounds. And then like the 5.7, it includes an internal hammer rather than striker. So it has a crisp single trigger. But sadly, unlike the 5.7, it doesn't come with a threaded barrel. But maybe this is something that they'll offer later on. MSRP is just $649. Check it out. Smith-Wesson.com. I'll tell you, that gun loaded up with a bunch of uh, spear gold dot 40 grainers. Man, it's 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 a viable little gun for certain people. Right. It really is. I know. That's what I would definitely recommend for somebody who's like, well, I just want to shoot 22. It's like, eh, let's let's step it up a little bit and get you a 22 mag or a 5.7 or something. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is. It's an easy, very easy gun to handle and to operate as well. So I agree. Stupid. Funny. Cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Concealed carry on a whole new level. A traffic stop in Evansville, Indiana last week revealed a unique method of concealed carry. The vehicle was stopped for having an obscure license plate. Christopher Boyd, an ex-convict, who was a passenger in the rear of the vehicle, was patted down during the stop, revealing a small bag with multiple pills. He said the pills were Percocets given to him by his Aunt Trish for the pain of a bullet lodged in his spine. When the pat-down got to his groin area, he was noticeably discomforted and uncooperative, saying that he could not spread his legs because of his spinal injury. He was asked if he had anything stuffed in his groin or buttocks, and he said that he did not. When he was taken to the county jail, though, he was walking with a limp and appeared to be clenching his butt everywhere he walked. Deputies did a body scan revealing a large object near his groin, which turned out to be two bags of marijuana. About this time, things escalated when he refused to comply further with the search, so he was restrained. That's when they discovered his quote-unquote anal retention of a concealed pistol he had a smith and wesson bodyguard stashed in his rectum 
Boyd had an extensive record and now faces 10 new charges for a violent felon in possession of a firearm, trafficking with a weapon, resisting possession, etc. They didn't say whether the bodyguard was loaded at the time or not, though. I am just like, some of the stuff that you read, I'm like, I cannot even fathom how you did that. I'm impressed. And he had to have done it quick, too. I mean, I'm assuming he did it once they were pulled over and it was like, oh, no, I got a gun. Uh, you know, like, here, just step mm-hmm. it up here. Like, that definitely mm-hmm. had to have hurt, too. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Oh, man. Well, I have some jokes, but they're probably inappropriate. And, you know, I'm probably. trying to keep this PG, so probably. we're just going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Franklin Armory. Steve, do you have any experience with Franklin Armory binary charters? I have had the opportunity to play with some that people I know have. Uh, you know, they're kind of unique and fun and definitely pushing boundaries, obviously. I mean, things like this have been around for some period of time, one form, fashion, or another in our industry. I think they just keep getting progressively better and better. I mean, I, I'm generally one of those dudes that, like, if I'm going to play with something full auto, it's full auto, right? Like, as you know, obviously, but I, I you know, I like a true people switch gun. Um, but you know, they are pretty cool, you know, and as long as they're still, you know, being considered okay, man, why not? Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Right now, I definitely say take advantage of some of their holiday sales that they have going on, or if you shop around as well, like Palmetto State Armory has like a really good sale on them. It's like half off for the AR triggers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that, especially if you've been wanting a binary trigger for a long time and you just haven't pulled the trigger yet. In the meantime, though, if you head on over to franklinarmory.com, use the code AVA, A-B-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Now it's time for iTunes reviews. So I think this makes eight reviews total. We have two more. And next show, I'm going to be picking a lucky winner out of the 10 once I have 10 reviews. And I'm going to be picking a winner to win the AccuTech Bipod. This review is from Nave underscore one keeps getting better. Five stars show just keeps getting better and better. Great interviews with awesome guests. And then second is Durf the tactical a-hole best podcast out there. Five stars. Can you show us the best? I love every Monday. What do you think about these new high powered air guns? They even shoot arrows to answer his question. Actually, I, I don't know. I think it was like a few years ago when I was at SHOT Show and I saw some of these air guns like being used for hunting. And I was so, I mean, some of it was like big game. Like we're not talking about like a little freaking squirrel. And now we're talking deer and hogs and all kinds of interesting stuff. They're pretty cool. I like, I couldn't even believe it. And I don't know. I mean, it is, it's impressive. Especially if, you know, depending on maybe some regulations in your state, Personally, like here in Colorado, in city limits, you can't fire any gun. You can't fire a BB gun, an air gun, like nothing. But to go hunting with, I mean, I'm sure that that opens up a whole, you know, so many more doors. So I'm not against it. You know, as long as you know what you're doing. I think when I'm against hunting is like when people aren't really that great at shooting. They don't shoot accurately. Mm-hmm. And then they hurt the animal and then the animal suffers like 
you know, you need to be able to know what you're doing so that it just, it happens quick and the animal doesn't suffer because I am very much an animal lover. Even right now, Peaches is sitting on my lap. And unfortunately, I just noticed before the show started that her tail is hurt. She has like a little owie on her tail. I put a bandaid over and of course, this little brat took it off. So I'm going to have to get a little bit more creative. I know. I'm not that hurt, mom. Leave me alone. It's okay. You know, yeah. No, no it's, it's it's kind of funny that most people have history lessons. You know, they don't realize, like, even during the Lewis and Clark expedition, like, they had some pretty high-powered air guns that they brought with them as well from back in the day. Um, so, so there's some amazing technology out there in these guns that are making them really, really capable nowadays. I mean, mm-hmm. they're pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, now it's time to wrap up. If you guys enjoy the show and you want to support it, consider becoming a Patreon if you want to, you know, essentially like all of this information, the the content is free. If you want to help out the show, head on over to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link and become a patron. You could make a one-time donation or a, you know, monthly donation. Also, you get entered into a drawing to win a $300 gift certificate from Blown Deadline. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Sake Holsters, Daniel Chadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Ridings, William Nave, and then Jon Snow. So right now people are probably like, what? I thought Jon Snow was King of the Patreon. We actually have a new King of the Patreon. And I think I'm going to mess up his name. He actually messaged me. He, he lives in New York City. He's born and raised. And he was like, I love your content. Listen to it on my way to work to and back, whatever. It is John Spiezia. It's S-P-I-E-Z-I-A. And I will learn how to pronounce his last name before the next show. But yeah, I mean, it was just really cool that, you know, people in New York City are listening to the podcast and that made my day. And he, the first thing he messaged me, he's like, hey, I listen to your content. He's like, man, you're a true New Yorker. Never change. And so that was kind of nice. And then we talked about, you know, the food that I miss and and stuff like that. But yeah, so thank you for that, John. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today, talking, you know, training and all that good stuff with us. Can you remind listeners where they can, I guess, just your website, because I noticed on your website, you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's links to your Facebook and Instagram as well. So what is your website again? Sentinelconcepts.com. All right, perfect. And Sentinel, in case nobody knows, so S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. Correct. All right. On that note, we are out of here. Hopefully everyone is hanging in there. I know the holidays can be tough. Personally, I am avoiding the stores like the plague. They're so freaking mm-hmm. busy. It's crazy. Um, it's like very people-y. But yeah, yeah, hang in there. It's almost over. We only have like, you know, maybe what, three more weeks? No. Maybe two and a half more weeks left. So, about that. Yeah. But all right, guys. Well, I will talk to you next week and I hope everyone enjoys their week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.